Welcome to the Faith Bridge Sermons Podcast. This sermon features Steve Carter and was recorded on Sunday, June 27th. We want to say thank you for tuning in. If you live close by and you're ready to visit, we'd love to meet you in person next Sunday at either 9 or 11 a.m. If you can't make it in person, join us live every Sunday online at faithbridge.org slash live. Here's Steve. Well, to all my friends in the communion service and those online and everyone here in this room, it's so exciting to be back. And I really love this theme of being stronger together. Uh, Someone stopped me uh, in the lobby and they said, Steve, what have you been up to recently? And um, there's there's actually been a lot. Uh, There's been so much that I feel like God has been entrusting and allowing me to do. But it's, it's funny because I actually think that I take you with me. Like, I, I love the name of this church, Faith Bridge. I feel like when I leave this space and I go back to Phoenix or I'm in some other city, like, I'm trying to build these bridges so that people can experience what life in Christ is all about, what a faith in Jesus is all about. And every time I come here, every time I get to be on this stage, every time I just get to receive from each of you, your hospitality, your goodness. It just does something for me. And I, I just think you all model what it means to be stronger together. And that's something that's really, really unique here that I don't experience at um, a lot of other churches. That there's something that you all have. And the more that we can lean into this mission together, man, the, the better gift that we will be, not just to the greater spring area and Houston area, but also uh, to the ends of the earth. Uh, today, what I want to do is I want us to look and begin in Jesus with this amazing sermon he gives, the greatest sermon of all time. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Um, we're going to dive into God's word. So if you need a Bible, feel free, raise your hands. Our, our ushers would love to give you one. We're going to begin in Matthew chapter six, and then we're going to get our way back into the book of Proverbs, and then I'm going to end, and I'm actually going to teach you how you can embody a practice moving forward um, that might help you get in tune with why you do what you do. So we'll begin in Matthew chapter 6. It says this, verse 1, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Now, what you're going to see in the Sermon on the Mount is you're going to see that Jesus is getting after motivation. Why you do what you do. And he's going to talk and he's going to use a word that you're going to see again and again in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's this word, reward. It's this word, reward. What are we being rewarded for? Why do we do what we do? Continues on. Verse two, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their, and there's that word, reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Again, this is all about motivation. This is all about motivation. And when you look at the Sermon on the Mount, you are going to discover that there's this framework at play. A framework at which you see with like the world, how the world seems to do it, 
and you're going to see that there's almost like this uh, power, pattern, and product. And I'm going to show you this kind of like grid that you see up on the screen. And there's this power. It's kind of like what's the authority? What's the voice that's leading you to do something? What's motivating you? There's also a pattern. And what that pattern is, is the values. What are the values that literally drive you? And then the product, what do you hope to produce? And what you see is just from that one section, four verses, and it will continue on when Jesus talks about fasting or when he talks about prayer in the Sermon on the Mount, you see that the world is teaching you that the power comes from the applause of man and that the pattern is looking for it values what will give me success, what will give me recognition, what will give me power and influence, and what will it produce? It will produce a reward in the here and now. And let me explain this. We've probably all had moments when we've posted something from a bad place on social media. If we haven't, we're either not on social media or we're lying. All right? Now, sometimes we post something on Instagram because we just almost want to be seen in a certain light, don't we? We want to be seen as cooler, younger, better looking, more creative, more important than our sibling or a neighbor or a friend. And sometimes we're posting something and literally the reason that we're posting it is so that somebody can validate us and see us in a certain way. And when we get our 27 likes or 72 likes, Jesus, if he was to give the Sermon on the Mount today, would say, well done, you've received your reward in full. You got what you wanted. You wanted to be validated by 72 other people. You wanted to be seen by 27 other people. Now, again, I'm not against social media. Social media is amazing, but it's about the motivation. It's about why we do what we do. And Jesus, in the arc of spiritual formation, when you follow and you live in Christ, is you're not living for the applause of man. You're not trying to have the patterns and values of success and recognition and how to get more powerful and influential and to be seen by all of these certain people. Because when you live that, you are going to receive your reward in the here and now. But Jesus says there's another way. And in Matthew 5, verse 11 and 12, he says this at the end of the Beatitudes. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. And it's, it's, it's important that you understand these next three words, because of me. Sometimes we're like, I'm being persecuted, I'm being insulted. It's when you are persecuted and insulted, not because of your agenda, but because of Christ. It continues on, it says this, rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I say this because Jesus is kind of teaching his disciples. You've got the world that has this kind of understanding of power that it's about the applause of man. This pattern of success and recognition and power and the reward is in the here and now. But Jesus says as disciples, as Talmudim, that there's another way. And the other way is that we live our lives for an audience of one. Or Jesus is the one that's actually kind of telling us, instructing us, guiding us. And that when we live our lives for an audience of one, it will literally lead us into places of sacrifice. 
of humility, even sometimes rejection. But when you live your life for an audience of one, you're experiencing sacrifice, you're experiencing rejection by other people, you're experiencing almost this dying to self, you're experiencing grief and sorrow, but you're also experiencing joy and beauty, but what you're also discovering is that your, what it's producing is a reward that's both now, because you are walking and living in Christ, but it's also great as your reward in heaven. And I've been thinking about this because I've been seeing this power and pattern and product. And I get so curious about why I make the decisions I make and how easy it can be just to kind of distance myself from living for an audience of one and living my life for the applause of man. And then little by little, my choices, maybe they're not with trumpets and trying to give to the needy in the synagogues, but my motivation is, is not pure. And then when you start to dive into the scriptures, you begin to really start to wonder, why do people do what they do? Jesus is really clear. Everything that we do comes from one place. It comes from our heart. And for many of us, we've just not ever given too much credence to what's going on in our heart. And so what I want to do is I want to go back to the book of Proverbs, this ancient book of wisdom. And this writer, Solomon, is writing in a, way, in a way in which he's trying to instruct his son to embody and pursue and chase after Sophia. That's, that's the word wisdom. To chase after wisdom as if it's like everything. So he says this in Proverbs 4, verse 20. My son, pay attention to what I say. It's like what every father says. My son, Susie, listen to me. Please listen. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. And then verse 23, a verse that we all know. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. So here's this, this writer. He's like, seriously, seriously, pay attention, son. Man, you got to understand everything I tell you, everything I say about wisdom, you got to understand it comes from somewhere. And above all else, you got to guard your heart. I love this word guard in Hebrew. It's the word natsar. Let me hear you say natsar. And it literally means this, relentlessly guarding with great detail what truly matters. Now, you all know I love sports. Every time I come here, I often bring up some kind of Texas sport. I, I just love sports. Real quick, anyone here, maybe high school, college, or played college basketball? All right. All right. A couple of hands. I like, I, I heard a hand. Okay. I saw your hand. Do you mind coming up for a second? That's fantastic. Wow. All right. He's, he's fit. He's very fit. Wow. Uh, what's your name? Corbin. Corbin. I'm Steve. Nice to meet you. Did you, you play basketball? I did. Oh, man. Okay. Awesome. This is going to be fantastic. <laughs> I sat at the bench. You actually played. This is great. Okay. <laughs> so, so Corbin, I just need maybe just for a second. Um, you probably remember. I'm going to take you back to practice. When did you play? Uh, 2004 to 2008. 2004 to 2008. Okay. All right. Um, where'd you play? West Point. West Point. Oh, nice. 
Wow. Nice to see you. Oh, wow. We were, no, no, that's, that's amazing. My, my grandfather, he's actually buried there. He's a four-star general. Um, but anyways, um, that's cool. Um, <laughs> uh, but here's what I want you to do. If you play for West Point, we're at home of Bobby Knight, Coach K. There's some legacy right there. Okay, I, you can imagine what I know about West Point basketball and West Point football is very, very disciplined. Okay, so um, can you get into a stance, like a defensive stance? Let's see what you, yeah, right now. Okay, all right, all right, okay. That's good, all right? So here's what I want you to think. If this, no, you got to stay in the stance, Corbin. That's good. That's good. It's hard. Yeah, yeah it's hard. You gotta, all right, I'll, I'll do it with you. Okay, so here's the thing, all right? So when you're in this, you hear this verse, it's like guard your heart. So we're going to take three steps, big steps to the right. You know, it's like big steps to the right, big steps to the right, big steps to the right. Don't want to fall off the stage. We're going to go three steps to the left, left to the left, to the left, to the left. Now, here's what I want you to say there, Corbin. You're doing fantastic. You're West Point, buddy. All right, here's the deal. What I want you to see is that it talks about guard your heart. Guard your heart. And if you've ever been around someone who actually loves defense like J.J. Watt, rest in peace. Um, he's now with me in Phoenix, and I'm excited. But here's what I need you to know. You've got to recognize, guard your heart, is that this guy does not want me to actually get around him. Thank you. And like, <laughs> right? You don't, you don't want that. This guy is guarding me, right? Now, how often are we guarding our heart? Sometimes we're just letting anything land in it. We're literally playing James Harden-like defense when it comes to our hearts. You all know I'm true right now. You can score 50, but I'm talking defense. I'm talking Natsar. We got to guard this. Corbin, thank you so much, man. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Man. That's going to go up on the Instagram, I hope. I'll tell you what, though, I, you, you have to understand this. We don't often guard this, though. Like, if you had this level of intensity to go, above all else, above all else, I'm going to be so intentional, relentless about what I allow to get into my heart. I think some of us, were like, ah, that's all right. I don't need to defend this. I just play offense. I just do what I want to do. No, 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 no. But when you are actually saying, I got to guard this. I got to check up on it. I got to make sure that what's landing in it is actually good. And when you think about that word heart, in Hebrew, it's the word leb. Let me hear you say leb. Leb. This is the place where, like, where our will, our thoughts, our purposes, our imaginations, our affections, they all reside. So the Hebrew understanding because, man, you got to guard this because if this just goes awry, then you're going to find your affections, imaginations, purpose, will, decisions, choices, just drifting. And for some of us, we've experienced this where we've had mission drift, where we've just allowed ourselves to just drift in our purpose or our calling. Some of us have experienced this in our decision making. Some of us have experienced this with our budget. But think about that. That all resides somewhere. And the Hebrew people were like, it's Leb. It's here. Let's take it farther. Above all else, you got to not saw your Leb. you got to guard your heart. Why? Because everything you do flows from it. And the word flow in Hebrew is the word tosah. Let me hear you say tosah. And this is the place from which any person or thing goes forth. 
Just think about like a river that just is bursting forth. This is the tosa. So everything that you do comes from here. That's what the scriptures teach. But oftentimes I'm more focused on what I'm doing, not actually on where it's coming from. I'm often more focused on this thing over here, but I'm not actually focused on actually what's going on in here. And the writer of Proverbs just takes it even farther. And he says this, verse 23 or 24, keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. Now, do you see what he's saying here? There's a little bit of like a theme. And it's simply like, he's like, hey, watch what comes from your mouth. Watch what you fix your eyes on. Watch where your feet go. There's like this mouth plus eyes plus feet. And again, what this writer is saying is, hey, Tosa, everything comes from your heart. And what comes out of your heart is going to literally be what you speak. It's literally going to be what you see and literally what you do. Because what you say, see, and do, it all flows from your heart. Now, I think many of you would say, yeah, I know. Duh, thank you. You just wasted nine minutes of my life. It all flows from my heart. The question is, like, what are we doing about it? What are, what are we actually doing about it? How, how do we actually become the kind of people that literally we actually not saw our leb, we guard our heart, and we're so aware of what is tosa flowing from it that we're actually doing it not for the applause of man, but so that our attention can be truly for the audience of one, that we can even engage in moments of humility or rejection and truly believe that going deeper with Jesus we're going to have this great reward, not just here in the present, but also forevermore. This is how high the stakes are. And it all starts with us channeling our inner Corbin and guarding and Ding up. And for many of us, we don't know how to do it. I'm always fascinated when I get around certain leaders and I'll just ask them, hey, tell me about how you guard your heart. And they're like, um, well, you know, I mean, I, 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 well, and people don't really have answers. And so what I want to do is I want to teach you four kind of reflections or like practices in which you can literally relentlessly guard your heart. I'm going to walk through them. And then in a moment, we're actually going to practice this together. So the first one, the first way to relentlessly guard our heart, number one, is we have to play it back. Play it back. And what I mean by this is we have to actually have a posture of reflection. There's many things in which we are very, very similar. In some ways, we are wildly different. All of our blood is the same color. We all laugh, we all cry, we all need sleep and water. 
We all have 168 hours in a week, and we are all far from perfect. So in the past week, we've all probably had moments where we did not say, if you think about verses 24 through 27, the mouth, the eyes, the feet, we probably didn't say what we wish we would have said. We might not have looked at what we should have been looking at and focusing on. Or we probably didn't do what we needed to do. There's probably something. And if we all take it back, it comes from our heart. And for many of us, we don't ever stop and reflect and play the tape back. And when I play basketball, I used to sit on the bench and I would watch these guys play. And I'm watching them play. It was amazing. Because at the end of the game, when we'd lose, you know, my buddy would say, oh, I locked that guy up. I deed that guy up. And I was like, bro, I had a front row seat. That guy killed you. <laughs> no, nah, man, that wasn't. That was the refs. No, man, that wasn't the refs. That was you. That was you. And then what we would do is we, after the game, we'd go back and we'd watch the film. And what's great about film is it does not lie. It's not objective. It just tells the truth. It tells it how it is. And I think what's important for us as disciples if we're going to be people who don't live for the applause of men, aren't chasing success and power and recognition, but we're people who are trying to live for an audience of one, we've got to have moments where we play it back and we reflect what was going on in my heart that made me react to my wife in this way? What was going on in my heart that made me actually re react to my husband in this way? What was going on in my heart that made me react towards this person in my life or in the marketplace? I mean, I was at the airport recently and I watched someone literally just berate a TSA employee. And I just sat back there for a second before trying to intervene because I'm, I'm, my wife can't stand this about me, but I'm like consummate like peacemaker. I'm like, hey, are you okay? Can I just take you just aside for a second? Like, I just have to pastor a moment. And like, I'm just watching this. And I can tell that this, this person's having a very difficult day and is now saying things at another person that that person doesn't deserve. But we don't ever play it back because our lives are so full, so we often just run ahead and continue to make the same mistakes. And so oftentimes... At the beginning of a week, I'll look back and go, were there any moments, any moments where I just wasn't taking care of my heart? I wasn't guarding my heart. And because of that, what flowed out of it was things I wish I wouldn't have said or saw or did that just doesn't bring honor and glory to God. And I don't come from it from a place of shame. I come from a place of curiosity and humility saying, God, help me, shape me you got to play it back. Secondly, if you're going to relentlessly guard your heart, you've got to play it out. Play it out. And here's what I mean. Is in the next week, we all have 168 hours, 7 times 24. And the truth is, you are going to have moments in this next week where you are going to have to have difficult conversations or you're going to be stressed or your spouse is not going to be ready when you think they should be ready or your kids aren't going to be where they need to be and you're literally going to be put in a very similar situation to what you were put in last week or the week before. And now I've got to sit down and I go, okay, okay. When my kids aren't where I want them to be, how am I going to 
to respond. Because I tried it this way last week and that wasn't good. So if I literally am going to guard my heart and I want something that's good to flow out of it, how can I play it out? And here's what I do. I imagine myself in the same situation with my kids and this time I imagine Jesus right beside me. And he's got his hand around me going, all right, bud, try it again. I'm like, thanks, coach. And so, and, 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 and how are you going to speak to Emerson? Probably kinder, softer, less edge, less stress. How are you going to speak to Mercy? I'm going to speak to her with more grace, more kindness. And what are, what are you really going to say to them? I'm going to probably ask a question. And literally just imagining how I would literally do it if Jesus were beside me, because he is. It helps me three days later when I find myself into that situation and I'm like, oh, I've already practiced this. I don't have to do it the way I've been doing it for six years that's been failing miserably. I can do it differently. Above all else, you got to guard your heart because everything flows from it. You've got to play it back. You got to reflect, but you also got to play it out and you got to rewrite. Number three, you got to play it smart. And here's the crazy piece. For many of us, we are buying leadership books to help us get better at leadership. We are buying business books to help us get better at business. We are buying financial books to help us get better at our finances. But what are we doing to refuel our heart? What are we doing to actually pour into our heart? Because if everything flows from it, for some of us, if we're really, really honest, watching online, watching in the communion venue, watching in this room right here, you might say, there is a drought that is happening here. I had nothing. Everything's flowing out of it. There's no water. There's no fresh life. There's no mercy. There's no grace. There's, it's just dry. It feels barren. It feels like a desert. And this is where the, it requires some self-leadership. And the self-leadership is, how am I going to play it smart? Because I know everything I do flows from this. And if I'm not making space, creating space where I can actually have something that come out of this that is going to be healthy and lead to more grace, lead to something that's going to honor God, that's on me. The fact that you all are here in this room, you're leaning in. Kudos to you or watching online. Kudos to you because you're saying, I, I need something to, to deposit into my life. But this hour, it's a great jumpstart and kickstart. But when Tuesday comes, if you're like me, you feel like vision leaks. And all of a sudden the joy starts to leak. And the peace starts to leak. And the patience well, it, 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 it left, went on until I got into the parking lot. But like, it starts to leak. And so all of a sudden, you have to think to yourself, if I'm going to play it smart, what am I doing to refuel? And for some of you, you know what it's like when you don't go to the gym. You know what it feels like when you don't go for a walk. You know what it's like when you, you don't have healthy escapes. For some of you, you know what it's like when you don't have time in God's word. 
You don't have time just sitting and allowing to be yourself to be inspired. And you know what the word inspiration, it's literally heaven's breath. That's what the word means. It's like heaven's breath giving you something to inhale and digest. That's literally going to feed your soul and your heart. It's so important. And so many leaders and so many Christ followers, and I'm like, you got to guard your heart. They're like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. And I'm like, how are you playing it back? I'm not. How are you playing it out? I'm not. How are you playing it smart? I'm not. So let's talk then why you're making the decisions that you're making. Because you're not giving credence to what's going on in here. You got to play it back. You got to play it out. You got to play it smart. And lastly, you have to play it honest. And here's what I mean. We have to, as the church, get to the point and get to the place where we can be emotionally honest. You know what it's like to talk to a junior hire every once in a while? Like, hey man, how's it going? Good. You know what it's like to talk to a college student? Hey, how's it going, man? It's good. You know what it's like to talk to a 30-something-year-old? Hey, man, how's it going? It's good. Really? Like we, we just almost have these like kind of ways that we finish a question. How's it going? Fine. Good. We have not been able to actually access our heart. And for some of us in our 40s, we don't know how to tell another guy, I feel sad. For some apparent reason, we've bought into a lie that that's weak. But the gospel teaches us that weak is the new strong. And if we live our lives for an applause of man, then we will not be emotionally honest. We will be more guarded and protected. But if everything flows out of this, and we are feeling feelings of sadness or pain, sorrow or grief, and we can't name that, tempted, struggling, hurting, or we can't even just say, can I just tell you something? Something's really good in my life. Like we, we don't even know how to celebrate one another because we don't even know how to talk about the things that are worthy to celebrate. Like I love the fact that I've been here over the last year and every time I preach here, I preach in a different room. <laughs> I love that. Every time I come in, I'm like, Pastor Ken, this is incredible. He's like, yeah, it's the same building. I'm like, what? And then I'm over in the next building. I'm like, this is amazing. And then I'm in the chapel. This is amazing. Every time I'm in a tent, I'm feeling human, you know, every time. But I'm like, man, this is so amazing. This church is so alive. We ought to be able to celebrate. But for many of us, we just don't know. One of the things I love is when someone can tell me what God is doing in their life that's worthy of celebrating. I mean, have you ever met someone who's like, guess what? I'm like, what? I'm expecting. And you're like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> what do you do? You're like, that's amazing. I'm so excited. Guess what? He finally, after 19 years, got down on his knee and asked me. We're like, oh, my goodness, it's amazing. We ought to be able to celebrate, but we ought to be able to be emotionally honest with one another. But we got to be, it starts with us being emotionally honest with ourselves. How are you Really? How are you really? Um, many of you know this, but um, when I was born, I was given the name Stephen Charles Bourne. Not like Jason Bourne and Bourne Identity. That would be cool. But 
my uh, biological father was out pretty early. So I was adopted and um, I got a new dad and a new last name. And my adopted father passed away two years ago of leukemia um, and complications with the bone marrow transplant. But my biological father, I, I never really knew. And I remember um, after my wedding 17 years ago, I, uh, I hired a private investigator and I found out that my father, biological father, who I didn't know, hadn't had any contact with that I could ever remember, lived in upstate New York. And so I was like, oh man, this is great. Like I'm gonna just show up to his house because that is really smart. And so I was just kind of envisioning like what I might say. Three days before the trip, the private investigator called and said, hey, I'm, I'm so sorry. Like, we, I missed this. And we had bought tickets to fly to Boston to go see the Red Sox, then drive up in the fall up to upstate New York, which is just a beautiful, beautiful drive. And he's like, I'm so sorry I missed this, but um, your dad actually died two years ago of a massive heart attack. He's like, what? Massive heart attack? And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm thinking 17 years ago, so I'm 24 years old. He was young, massive heart attack. And, and, and then the private investigator said something that I'd just never really forgotten. He just said, you know, you, you might want to get your heart checked out. And I was like, well, you might want to do your job and tell me that a little bit earlier before I pay you that money. But I, I, I took him up at his word, and I, I go and I schedule this, this doctor's appointment, and I was like, Hey, uh, I had this father. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. And I was like, I just found out. I never met him, but just found out he had a heart attack. Younger guy. My doctor was like, what? Oh, my goodness. She walks out of the room. She, like, calls another doctor. Two days later, I'm getting hooked up to a treadmill with all these, like, wires and crazy letters like EKG. And they're just, run. And I'm like, I am not a cyborg. And they're like, run faster. And I'm like, what is going on? I'm sweating. And then I feel like it's a competition. So I'm like, I'm going to beat this doctor. And I'm just running as fast as I can. And then they stop me and they come beside me and they just tell me, they're like, hey, like your heart's not like beating the way it should. And then I start to freak out. And, and then she starts kind of like walking me through stuff that I need to do to take my heart seriously because for so many years, genetically, I had been unaware of what was going on. I don't know, as I've been thinking about that, I realized for so many years of my life, I didn't give any physical kind of thought to my heart until I found out about my biological father. And now, spiritually, I realize I've gone so many years without checking in on my heart. And I keep wondering, why do I do what I do? Why do I say what I say? Why do I want to see what I want to see? Why do I want to do what I want to do? And it comes back to my heart. And so here's what I want us to do right now. I want to teach you and walk you through a just simple practice. Maybe once a week you can start to do. I can help you begin to guard this. Because everything flows out of it. And if you don't do this, I guarantee you it will be easier for you to live for the applause of man, to chase power, success, and recognition, and you'll get your reward in the full in the here and now, but it's not gonna bring honor and glory to God. 
and it's not gonna be good for this. So, if you're like me, sometimes you just need to open up your hands and palms are up, no pressure on this, but I just want you to kind of get into a posture just to receive, just to receive. I'm gonna ask you a few questions and we're just gonna go through those four kind of application points. But if we're gonna be emotionally honest, let's start by looking back. Again, please don't do this from a spirit of shame. <laughs> this is not God's heart. But it's more curiosity. God in the garden said, where are you? And so let's play it back. Is there something you said Something you did, something you chased after this past week. Just think of maybe one. But underneath that, just ask yourself, what was going on in your heart? And there might be a word like tired, might be a word like hungry, might be a word like frustrated, might be a word like rejected, but try to name what was the emotion, what was the feeling, the emotion, the feeling, what was going on in your heart. But now I want you to think about if this upcoming week, and think about the circumstance, think about what that person was wearing Think about like that conversation, maybe it was your kid, what they, imagine where you were in the room when maybe you said it. And I just imagine Jesus is right beside you. He's just got a hand around you, just kind of whispering in your ear. And he's just saying, remember you got the Holy Spirit inside you. Remember I'm with you. Just imagine as you play it out how you would rewrite that moment. How would you say it differently? How would you be humble? How would you carry the name of Christ well in that situation? And then think about how you in the past week and in the upcoming week can play it smart. Think about in the past week, how much time did you give to actually filling your heart up so that you had joy and peace and patience and gentleness and goodness and kindness to flow out of it? And maybe in this next week, where's their margin in your schedule to go for that walk, to sit in God's word, to have a healthy escape, to be with your friends, be in community, to go serve, but have a moment that just fills and pours in. And think about it. And don't write it in pencil in your schedule. Commit in this moment. I'm going to put it in ink. I'm going to put it in ink. And then in the last moment, just ask God, God, give me the strength. I want to be stronger together but give me the strength that I can be emotionally honest with my spouse, with my friends, 
with my church, and most importantly, with you, God. Make that commitment to be emotionally honest with my spouse, with my friends, with my church, and most importantly, with you, God. God, I pray, I pray that just a simple little practice like this would help us guard our heart so that what comes out of it could be a blessing that allows our choices, our words, our thoughts, our actions to point people to you. God, if we ever doubt whether this heart is valuable, may we just go back to how deep the Father's love is for us. How deep your love is for us. So God, I pray that you would just move in this time. Guide us and lead us and shape and form our hearts. Fill our hearts first and foremost with your love. We pray all this your name and everyone said, amen.